With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. The lines are drawn. Lawmakers and the governor are making their tax cut priorities known as they enter the final week of session. As SDPB's Lee Strubinger reports, it's unclear what tax, if any, will get cut. Leaders in both chambers say tax cuts remain a priority. House lawmakers are making it clear they want to see the overall sales tax rate reduced from 4.5% down to 4.2%. They've sent two identical bills to do just that over to the Senate. Here's House Majority Leader Will Mortensen. We have our druthers in the House. Uh, We prefer the broad-based sales tax cut and and at the amount that we put forward. In the Senate, several members are concerned about long-term increased revenue projections. Senators are also concerned about petition language that could remove the state sales tax on food, so they've placed a sunset on the overall reduction. Senators are also sending a bill to the House to provide $425 in property tax relief for owner-occupied dwellings. A similar idea was already rejected by the House. Regardless, Senate Majority Leader Casey Crabtree says both chambers continue to seek significant relief for South Dakotans. Do we maybe disagree slightly on what this tax cut re- you know, l- relief would look like? Uh, yeah, but I think that's a good part of the process, and we'll work through that. Governor Kristi Noem says she still wants the state sales tax on food eliminated. Noem is indicating she could veto the state budget if a food tax repeal is not included. I think it's silly that they think that I feel like in two weeks i got to sign that budget if I don't like it. I have a constitutional requirement to approve of whatever budget they present to me, and I've got time to make sure that it's right. There is one thing all those proposing a tax cut agree on, which is the amount. All shake out to just over $100 million. Lawmakers have until Thursday, March 9th to craft and pass a state budget. I'm SDP Beasley Strubinger and Pierre. A bill to allow state judges to refer kids to the Department of Corrections for repeat nonviolent offenses has crossed its last legislative hurdle. Senate Bill 4 was approved by the House of Representatives. One legislator said the state has not spent as much as it could to find community services. But the bill's sponsor pointed out that those services can't be had in certain areas, even if the money's there. Victoria Wicks wraps up this story for SDPB. Representative Taylor Rayfelt introduced the bill on the House floor. She said it gives judges the option of referring juvenile offenders to the Department of Corrections after three offenses in one year. UJS estimates that this will allow the judge to have discretion over less than 50 children per year. Rayfelt emphasized that judges are not mandated to use the DOC option. But Representative Linda Duba urged the House to defeat the bill. She said she asked the Secretary of Social Services what kind of money the state is providing for alternatives to DOC. We appropriated almost $7 million for diversion programs. Unfortunately, we reverted almost $3 million of those funds. Duba said the state has the money to do more for kids who are in crisis. Before we make this decision, to do a three strikes and you're in corrections is that we dig deeper into why we're not spending almost $3 million to help juveniles and their families. Rayfeld agreed that it's unfortunate money was turned back, but if there are no community services available, DOC could be the answer.
And in some of these communities, the Department of Corrections is meant to be that last step option, but it might be the one thing that actually saves these kids and gets them some resources that they need. Rayfelt said DOC can provide evaluations and mental health services, as well as food and safety for kids who need that kind of support. The bill passed on a vote of 62 to 7 and now goes to the governor's desk. For South Dakota Public Broadcasting, I'm Victoria Wicks. After long debate, a bill impacting medical marijuana in South Dakota passes committee. SDPB's Evan Walton reports. The House Health and Human Services Committee passed a bill offering additional qualifying conditions for medical cannabis card. The bill would remove the State Department of Health from deciding which disorders can be added to the list of medical cannabis use. Senator Erin Tobin spearheaded Senate Bill 1. She says the bill provides guardrails for current medical cannabis law. The Department of Health recommended to the Oversight Committee that we add conditions and turn over the condition adding process to the legislature. They came up with these conditions by looking at research in other states' legislation, and they presented SB1 to the Medical Marijuana Oversight Committee, and the committee passed this unanimously. The bill adds PTSD to the list of conditions providers can prescribe medical marijuana for. Clint Wood is an Air Force veteran from Vermilion who served in Operation Desert Storm. He says medical cannabis saved his life. What this meant to me is cannabis slowed down the velocity of the water in that waterfall that I was attempting to surmount without causing me to suffer negative side effects. When coupled with PTSD therapy, cannabis allowed me to begin swimming up that terrible monument of fear and failure and begin to make the kind of progress in therapy that otherwise would have been impossible for me to achieve. I owe my life to the therapeutic benefits that cannabis can offer when employed in a responsible manner and when coupled with the appropriate professional therapy. Representative Fred Deutsch opposed the bill. He says medical cannabis continues to lack scientific evidence. I'm really challenged when we talk about research, when it omits the science, when we just go out to other states and say, well, what have you done? And we make that assumption that, that they've looked at the science, but we don't know. Proponents for the bill say providing research-based evidence of the benefits of cannabis is difficult because it cannot be studied at the federal level. The bill passed the committee on an 8-5 to five vote and now heads to the House floor for final consideration. I'm SDPB's Evan Walton. SDPB's legislative coverage is supported by the Friends of SDPB with corporate support from the South Dakota Bar Foundation and SDN Communications. Parents were left scratching their heads after officials announced plans to close Canyon Lake Elementary School in Rapid City. Chief among their complaints, a lack of communication from the school district. SDPB's C.J. Keene has more. Parents were first notified about the closure after a staff-only meeting February 21st informed teachers about it, which was then relayed to the parent-teacher organization. Eric Claiborne has a third grader attending Canyon Lake and serves as vice president of the school's PTO. He says parents were not properly warned of the proposal. Because it was given on just such short notice and it was kind of just decided without any input from the, the community or the families, that's really what we were trying to communicate and show them how disruptive this is and will be without the ability for us to kind of prepare. There's so many second and third order effects that are going to come up now. Claiborne says issues like after school programming, transport and the mental health of students have not yet been properly addressed. Another parent of two Canyon Lake students, John Snyder, says he's unhappy with the answers provided by the district. From our understanding, we asked, like, is there a budgetary concern? Is there a repair and maintenance cost? Is there something that's coming that's going to, that makes 
now the only chance and we have to do it now because we're trying to avoid you know this other thing that's coming and they said no they haven't articulated the reason for the necessity of it the fate of canyon lake elementary will be an agenda item at the school board meeting scheduled for tuesday march 7th rapid city area schools community relations manager bobby schaefbauer confirmed its budget concerns facing the school unfortunately canyon lake um, to keep open right now is just not financially responsible for the district to continue. Um, we've had a lot of issues with heating and cooling um, of the building, Canyon Lake West in particular. That would have been a $1.2 million fix. Schaefbauer says the district recognizes the concern of parents and acknowledges the lapse in communication. I'm SDPB's CJ Keen. Gasoline with higher blends of ethanol could be sold year-round in eight Midwestern states, including South Dakota, beginning in 2024. The proposed Environmental Protection Agency rule released Wednesday is a victory for the biofuels industry. For years, the industry has pushed to allow sales of gasoline blended with 15 percent ethanol during the summer. That move hasn't been allowed because of concerns that it would worsen smog during hot weather. The industry and members of Congress welcomed the EPA's proposal, which had been requested by governors in eight states. Under the proposal, the higher blends could be sold during the summer in South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and four other states. A pair of bills funding major new prison facilities now only need the governor's signature to become law. The Senate approved both bills Wednesday. One allocates $60 million to build a women's prison in Rapid City. The other provides $52 million to buy land and design a new men's penitentiary in Sioux Falls. It also sets aside an additional $271 million for construction. Proponents say the new facilities are needed to deal with overcrowding in prisons. The bills now head to the governor's desk. Governor Kristi Noem has vetoed a bill allowing local governments to increase the hotel occupancy tax. House Bill 1109 increased the maximum tax on some hotel rooms from $2 per room to $4 per room or 4% of the room charge. Noem opposes the bill that she says significantly raises taxes. Proponents say the bill would have helped communities raise money. The bill passed by only three votes in the Senate well short of the two-thirds majority needed to override the veto. It's Nome's first veto of the 2023 legislative session. Governor Christie Nome visited Midwestern Mechanical in Sioux Falls to sign Senate Bill 76 into law. The new law will recognize out-of-state licenses for multiple professions in South Dakota. Nome says there are around 900 job openings across the state impacted by this new law. We know that many people that want to come to South Dakota, that they look at our state, but they also know that they may be licensed or they may have a skill set that when they hit the ground here that they can't utilize it right away. But this year I am thrilled that overwhelmingly the legislature has recognized the need to recognize out-of-state licenses. That when people want to move to South Dakota, that immediately we will recognize the training and the skill set that they have in their license from their home state as they relocate to make this the place that they want to raise their family. Nome thanked the bill's prime sponsors, Senator Jim Stalzer and Representative Tyler Tordson, for championing the bill in legislation. The State House has passed a bill proposing funding for career and technical education projects. 
Lawmakers passed Senate Bill 59 on a 55 to 14 vote. Representative Hugh Bartles says the bill would provide grants to fill gaps in technical education infrastructure statewide. Getting our high school students interested in careers and technology is a key component to keeping them in South Dakota and getting them into good careers in the future. This bill would provide money so that the schools that went together and use this equipment that's very expensive, the facilities that are expensive to build, and it's to kickstart some more career and technical education in our state. Bartle says the bill would encourage school districts to collaborate to provide more resources to students. The bill now heads to the governor's desk. With SDPB News, I'm Megan Fury. And that is your daily news update. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at SDPB News and visit sdpb.org news to stay up to date on our journalism as it comes in. And as always, thank you for listening.